When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Let's just take stock of this for a second here. The Olympic Games is at the lowest ebb in its history. A country that's been proven to have systematically doped its athletes is out there winning medals like nobody's business. Boxers are getting robbed by dodgy judges. Seemingly unbreakable world records that have stood for decades are being trampled to smithereens. Essentially, the entire credibility of the Olympic movement, whatever the hell that is, has been destroyed. <laughs> and amongst all that, an Irishman, one of our own, has managed to get himself involved in the biggest scandal during this entire circus in Rio. That, my friends, is called punching above your weight in international sport. (laughs) (laughs) Take that, world. You're welcome, by the way. We have given you what you all wanted. We all want scandal. Come on. Uh, Certainly, if if it doesn't taint your own country, you definitely want scandal. Even if it does. (laughs) Especially if it does. Well, I don't don't feel responsible. I mean, am I I able to to dissociate? I, I, I feel as though my hands are clean. Oh no, I've, I've, I'm I'm fine. With For this. once, Ken, you're not associated with this particular Irish sporting scandal. <laughs> that is true. What's your uh, What's your initial reaction? Um, just amazement. I mean, we've just been following this news all day. You know, I've heard about it this this morning. Patrick, he's been arrested. What? Um, <laughs> there was no tea at the end of your what? That's how shocked you were. Yeah, and then and then just watching us the, these details sort of built up, and this extraordinary series of. Uh, the, like all this information coming up, leaking or being released by. I mean, it's not leak <laughs> if video. it's released <laughs> by. Let's not forget the video, Ken. The police video, a video of the moment of the arrest. You know, people standing in the corridor, big, big uh, police guys standing in the corridor outside Pat Hickey's room. The door opens and there's, there's a, a naked old man standing there. Yeah, that was a bit. That was a bit much. Well, it was. It, it was. Uh, I don't know if there's. Oh, we were missing really was a, was a peek the into the crib. Video, yeah. You know, to see what what kind of hotel room it was. It, I've, I haven't seen that before with a police investigation. Um, this is what, you know, so, so that kind of has been going on. Then, I mean, it's just, it's really, it's, it's, it's just the new stuff happening every day. This email coming out suggesting that, I mean, there's a line in the, in the email which is discussing 
Um, Sorry, so, this email. This is the email that Tariq Panja uh, released. Tariq, Tariq Panja, who is a um, or tweeted, I should say. Yeah, Tariq, Tariq Panja is a very good journalist who works for uh, Bloomberg, uh, and he tweeted. Uh, he's tweeted a couple of um, documents. First of all, he says, "Real police release email from Lord Hickey." A strategy shows plan to put. So it says here is email from Ireland Olympic Legal Council to Hickey outlining plan to put Sports Minister Shane Ross quote back in his box, unquote. Um, now just and you know the the email uh, you know is from Barry McCarthy and it just mentions you know it mentions the name of the senior council which I, again I think is quite extraordinary. You know what I mean for this to be like this is obviously a kind of a private email but it's right out there and the first. Line it says, in general, Shane Ross needs, quote, to be put back in his box, unquote. Now, it doesn't say who that quote, who, who's being quoted there or whether it's just sort of scare quotes mm. being used around that phrase. Um, but that's, that's extraordinary. You know, Shane Ross is, you can think what you like about Shane Ross. You know, there are people out there, I'm sure, who don't like Shane Ross, who, who don't like his manner. You know, you know he's, been in, he's been a public figure in Irish life for several decades. You Turns know, out he's a government minister now. He's though. a government, he's a sports minister. He's the sports minister. He is the representative of the government. The government which, okay, not many of us voted for, but is <laughs> the, it is the elected, you know, the government that represents the, the Irish people. writing the checks for the OCI. I mean, this is the guy who's paying the bills. This is a, this is a, a body that, that receives money from, from the government. And, and, and us, this, this, by extension. This suggestion, obviously... I don't think anyone meant to meant to blurt out that phrase. We need to put Shane Ross back in his box in a public setting. That's very much for internal discussion. But the arrogance, the arrogance of that, you know, it's it's it's, it's astonishing. That's out there now. Uh, I don't know what Shane Ross's move is is going to be. I mean, Shane Ross obviously had that uh, what seemed for him like possibly a bruising encounter with Pat Hickey. Certainly not a very productive meeting uh, by Shane Ross's account. Although Pat Hickey described the meeting that they'd had as excellent. Uh, but I think they might have had slightly different ideas of what would have constituted a good meeting there. Mm. From Pat Hickey's point of view, maybe it was an excellent meeting. Uh, but, you know, Pat Hickey at that stage, remember that when we were talking about it on, on Monday, uh, essentially had met Shane Ross's suggestion that independent people be put into this um, inquiry into what had gone on with these tickets. You know, met that with a... He, Shane Ross said it was like we were talking to a brick wall. Mm. You know, he wasn't given it in the way there. Well, I don't think he was expecting this. Mm. You know, this is not. This was not in the in the plan. Pretty stunning turn of events, really. Yeah. Uh, so Tariq Panja also tweeted um, out of the arrest warrant uh, for Patrick Hickey signed by judge uh, yesterday. He says says he needs to be kept in preventative custody. You can see mandato de prisão preventiva, um, discretização de prisão preventiva, and there's an X beside C, meaning yes. Uh, on that. So preventative custody has a meaning sim- not identical but similar to remanded in custody um, whereby it's it's basically keeping someone in custody in uh, imprisoned uh, before the trial as opposed to releasing them on bail. That's probably something I would imagine the Pat Hickey could appeal uh, but for the time being that's what it says on his, on his warrant. I mean what it, sa- what it suggests on his warrant is that they they intend, as it stands, to keep him in custody until there's a trial. Mm. So, you know, that's uh, pretty incredible. There seemed to be conflicting reports earlier on about what exactly happened when he was arrested. You know, initially there was 
this image of him fleeing the scene, essentially, that was uh, being fairly widely reported. Then it appeared that maybe that wasn't the case, that he was arrested and that was that. But actually, it turns out the police seem to be suggesting that um, while fleeing might be a bit extreme, he certainly wasn't... There was an element of misdirection. Misdirection, yeah. Apparently his wife said, no, he's not here. He's gone. And it turns out he was actually in the hotel, possibly in a different room. We're going to talk to Tom Hennigan about those sort of details. Tom is covering all this for the Irish Times is over in Rio. So I'd be interested to find out, just flesh that bit out a little bit more. Uh, I do think it was the, the, the shots of him, okay, it's pixelated, but like, I don't know if you need to see the man nude. No. Uh, yeah, he's being arrested. By all by all means, report it and report it as extensively as possible. But there's parts of it that <laughs> just that doesn't seem relevant to anything. It's it's uh, it's, it's I, I found I was a little uncomfortable with that bit. A different approach to um, high profile uh, police actions, I guess. Um, you know, if you want your if you if you're the police and you're doing something that you think is going to be good publicity, why not publicize that? You know, that's that's evidently it's one approach to the uh, to the whole issue of, of you know, I mean, this is this. It was a complaint that FIFA made on when the FIFA when it, when arrests were made at the Barolac. Wasn't there American journalists there? Yes. Yeah. FIFA didn't like that. Uh, who told you know, who told the American journalists to turn up? They, they seem to be here at time. 6 a.m. having a nice early morning. Cup just in time. Bit funny to see all those journalists there just in time, just in time. So so FIFA were. We're angry about that, but at least at the Barolac, they had the concierge uh, bringing out the big Egyptian cotton sheets and uh, creating an impermeable barrier to protect the dignity of the FIFA guys who were being bundled into the uh, into the paddy wagon outside. Um, but at least the concierge was producing a making a screen for them so they couldn't be uh, photographed. That did not happen. The uh, the IOC giving the hotel concierge dressing down is a, a pretty good mm-hmm. uh, example of going home and kicking the cat. Uh, <laughs> in the absence of uh, anyone else to blame for this, I suppose the hotel concierge can get a good going over. We asked people to suggest titles for this very special scandal-ridden podcast and got quite the response. Hundreds of people getting involved in this. Uh, Votesman Pat and his black and white jumpsuit came in one. Wow. Uh, my name oh I haven't got that person's name you really got it Paul um, Fitzpatrick that was Paul Fitzpatrick okay yeah I have the list also here well it was Eamon Power then Murph I think who went for Tricky Hickey's Ticky Sicky uh, yeah uh, Jimmy Allen he's I'm go- got well, I'm go- well I'm going for Jimmy Allen's people will be aware if they've seen this and that Jimmy Allen's is the one we've plumped for oh okay so, so what is it Fergus Sharkey uh, Brazilian dollar baby well no just go for Jimmy Allen okay he's got a ticket to hide I mean the creativity of our listeners, we that never take no it bounce. for granted, but it, uh, we do appreciate it on days like today more so than any other. We are going to be talking a little bit later about some of the positive things that have been happening. Uh, but I, I couldn't help but notice at the Olympic Games for Irish athletes, we were speaking to you on Monday evening. It wasn't that long ago. It doesn't seem like we've been away for too long. But since then, there was the Michael Conlon defeat and the reaction to that. There was Annalise Murphy winning silver. Sorry, obviously, the Michael Conlon wasn't a good news story. Annalise winning silver, Thomas Barr last night. There's been so much going on. We'll talk a little bit more about that. I don't think there's much sympathy being expressed for Pat Hickey, though, judging by certainly in the media world. Paul Howard tweeted saying, I'll be mostly spending the afternoon reading my old solicitor's letter from, letters from Pat Hickey. David Walsh says, Ah, the man who sent me my first legal writ 20 years ago, Pat Hickey, has been arrested in Rio de Janeiro regarding ticketing scandal. Owen Gibson tweeted a photo of Pat Hickey and pals at Baku 2015. This was the European Games that Pat Hickey uh, dreamed up at the opening ceremony. Putin, Alayev, that's the Azerbaijani president, back 
the head of the IOC. Owen Gibson continues, sadly, I was banned, so I couldn't join them. <laughs> that definitely doesn't seem to be huge. But let's talk to our man on the scene there. Tom Hennigan is in Rio for the Irish Times. Tom, where exactly are you speaking to us from? I'm speaking from the police city, which is a large police base uh, in the north of Rio, where the uh, press conference ended about an hour ago, and uh, where we are told that Mr. Hickey, once he is released from hospital, will be brought uh, for questioning. So uh, we are not expecting to see him here today. Uh, police sources are, are telling us that they think it probably be tomorrow before he's out of hospital. Okay, so, so is, yeah, so that is unconfirmed, yes. Right, okay. But as far as you know, for, uh, once he was arrested, we have heard all this about him uh, being taken to hospital. That, that was immediate. So he hasn't been to the police station at all. Essentially, he was taken to hospital and he's yet to actually go in for questioning. Exactly. He was uh, the... The hotel he was staying in is where all of the, or most of the IOC delegates are staying. And uh, they have their own medical facility in the hotel for the Olympics. So it was a, a doctor from that that police got to have a look at him. They said that he, he was quite shook up when they um, found him in a hotel room that had been reserved in his son's name. And that the doctor said his blood pressure was okay, but given his history of um, some heart trouble, that they thought it would be better just to bring him into hospital for observation. You mentioned his son's room there. This is, uh, there seems to have been a few different things said about this today, just what exactly happened when the police arrived to arrest Pat Hickey. Um, what did the police say about that? The, the, whether or not he was essentially uh, available or uh, apparently the, the story goes that his, his wife had said that actually he wasn't there when he was. Exactly. Uh, what the police told us, uh, Ricardo Barbosa, the officer who's leading the investigation, who went to make the arrest, he said that they knocked on the door, that Mrs. Hickey answered. Uh, they said that they were looking for her husband and they say that she told them he uh, has left for Ireland. And because they had a search warrant as well as an arrest warrant, they went into the room and they immediately began um, to suspect her story because uh, his clothes were there, shoes were there, his accreditation and, crucially, his passport. So they uh, went um, to look elsewhere in the hotel. They went down to the reception and they found that there was a second room registered to a hickey, uh, one of uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hickey's sons. And they went up there, knocked on that door, and he opened and answered wearing just a dressing gown. Um, and they said that when they went there, that he was uh, quite shook up and everything and uh, quite surprised and slightly disorientated. I was talking with one of the, the officers who made the arrest and they said that, you know, he, he seemed a bit confused about everything that was going on. But then he, he, he knows Brazil, but it's not home and uh, he wouldn't uh, have much Portuguese, I imagine. So it must have been a, a strange experience. Yeah, one of the things that has been strange to watch as, as this story has been unfolding over the day is just the sheer quantity of information that's been put out there by the police in Brazil. Uh, I mean, there's a video of of the moment of arrest where we can see uh, Pat Hickey, you know, at his hotel room uh, door, answer, you know, answering the door. I found it extraordinary to see that documents relating to the case uh, are in the public domain now, the arrest warrant, uh, even uh, emails regarding legal advice, uh, which was, you know, given to the OCI or to Pat Hickey. These kinds of things are, are kind of floating around in the public domain uh, with the police apparently behind the releases. I mean, here that would be bizarre. Is it standard procedure in Brazil? It is not a standard procedure, but uh, the reality is is that Brazil's 
police services in, in all the states tend to leak like sieves. And um, as, as all that footage demonstrates, um, people within the police tipped off, uh, I would say, reporters based in Rio on the cop beat. And so they made sure that they were down there. Uh, it's also uh, transpired that they went to first to another hotel uh, because they had a tip off that Mr. Hickey was staying in a, in a nearby hotel rather than one where he was actually found in the, in the, the delegate um, hotel. And it might have been that that gave them a bit more time for the press to assemble. They got up onto the floor. And unfortunately, that is uh, a reality in Brazil. I'd I say uh, it, it, the legality of it is, is very dubious, but, but in the practice, um, a lot of media happen to always be on hand for spectacular police operations in Brazil. Tom, what is the uh, charge? What's, what's Hickey been charged with at this point? He is facing charges of supplying tickets for the purpose of ticket touting, for uh, false marketing, and for um, for, DVA, uh, for moving tickets that were destined for one purpose to another uh, without permission. So there's the three summed up altogether. It could lead to seven years in prison. But the main uh, point to make with that is that these sort of crimes in Brazil rarely result in a custodial sentence. Um, in, I was talking with the defence uh, lawyers the last couple of days, and they were saying, look, you know, normally what happens in these cases is fines or some other kind of community service or something like that. It's very rare that, uh, that uh, you would go to prison. Now, that might be that might be the case, but the Brazilian police have really, you know, to arrest a member of the IOC's executive committee during the first ever Olympic Games in Brazil in South America is a pretty bold statement. Um, and so maybe they are going to push this more aggressively. We'll have to see what information they they have um, and how how damaging that information is for Mr. Hickey today. They just said that they had a preliminary look at, at some of his emails, that he was swapping emails, uh, they say, with Marcus Evans, the owner of THG, um, as recently as, as the game, since the games have started. Um, and they said this email conversation went back, uh, this email chain was going back to 2010. So, you know, they, they need to, sh- to uh, look at the the evidence that they've gathered in today's operation and else and, and other uh, moments in the last 10, 12 days and show that uh, Mr. Hickey was a active participant in this alleged ticket housing scheme. So that's it. They've, they've said today that that is still to come, that they are now looking at the information they have and we'll see what they come up with. Yeah, it does seem uh, bigger than the usual sort of ticket touting I mean, this kind of stuff, I suppose, goes on a lot around the world in, in various sports, but this is kind of a big international story. Now, it's the first time an IOC member apparently has ever been arrested during um, during the Games. I mean, I wonder what, what what's the sense you get there in terms of how big the story has got? Are there a lot of people at that police station trying to follow what's happening here? Is this something which has kind of uh, people outside Ireland are, are paying attention to? Uh, it is now, um, definitely. Uh, there was uh, quite a bit of local media interest at the press conference on Monday, but uh, that ramped up uh, to a whole other level this morning. All the major Brazilian networks, uh, international agencies, quite a few of um, you know CNN were here, and and, and now there is uh, another level of international interest in all of this, um, which is quite. Um, quite uh, understandable as you say it's very high profile like they're not 
in it's interesting, the Brazilian media, they're less reporting that it was the president of the Irish Olympic Council that was arrested, and more the point that it was the IOC delegate who was arrested, a member of the executive committee. So that's, uh, it's there tying us more to the IOC angle rather than the OCI angle. All right, listen, Tom, great. I'm sure you're very busy. Thanks very much for joining us from Rio. Okay, see you guys. Flame hair, flame hair, flame throw of truth, Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Mr. Ken Early. Every so often I'm on the bus and I suddenly turn around and bite someone. John Hayes, I'm talking about, Aaron. Yeah. John Hayes. Now, I always thought that was ridiculous. He had won the victory over himself. He loved Brendan Rogers. That's where it goes from. Thanks a lot, Pepe. Fair to say, anybody could have managed those guys? No, of course not. Let me show you right now for you give it up. Great stuff there from Tom Hennigan in Rio um, on the scene. And it's a scene that is creating great interest for everybody. It's As Tom mentioned, up until now, the Brazilian, the local Brazilians have been very interested in the story. And uh, you know, as in before today's events, they've been interested in the ticket scandal. We've obviously been highly interested in it. And the rest of the world might not even have known what was going on. You know, if I was looking at it, uh, if it was the US or whatever other country it might be, some, you know, there of some tickets being sold for higher than face value, uh, you know, without going through apparently the official channels, I'd be kind of thinking, oh, yeah, that's that's vaguely interesting. But there's so much going on in the Olympics, you might not even mm-hmm. notice. And now it's just changed so dramatically by the fact 71 that... 71-year-old man dragged out of his hotel room yeah. and arrested. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does kind of uh, lend it a little bit of a mm. punchier feel. Uh, but I mean, it's one thing you touched on there just before we talked to Tom, is the reaction from people. And there has been quite a bit of reaction, say, in, on Irish Twitter, if you want to call it that, uh, saying that this is you know, another black eye for Ireland as a country. I mean, if this, if what's actually been uh, alleged, if that's if that's actually what has happened here, this is great news. I mean, the, the idea that tickets destined for athletes, athletes and their families, that they're being sold on the black market, that if whoever is responsible for that is brought to justice, this, that's brilliant news. And I mean... Uh, as we can see from the uh, email that Tarek Panja uh, tweeted and that Ken brought us there earlier on, uh, Patiki doesn't really see himself as Irish anymore. I mean, he's a citizen of the world. Uh, and the fact that he would disrespect the Irish government to the extent that he did, uh, which is obviously how Shane Ross sees it, I mean, you know, there, there's, 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 there's nothing here that, that's bad news. If, if everything that, that, that's been alleged is actually true, then it's all good news. I mean, as far as I'm concerned... Uh, incidentally, while the police seem very forthcoming with the media, the IOC, maybe not so much, Jamil Chad, is that the name of the journalist who broke the story, yeah. said that the IOC withdrew his accreditation to access the hotel. Although they've now reinstated it. Said saying, it was a mistake. Saying it was a mistake. <laughs> Sorry about it that. It was a mistake. <laughs> it was not <laughs> a very I'm, clever thing to do at that no, point of the day. It was a very stupid thing to do, uh, and I'm glad they realised that they were mistaken to do it. All right, the other issue here is that the AIBA has said, this is a to- totally separate issue, but that the referees and judges, well, it's totally separate. I mean, maybe not 100%, in the sense that there is a Pat Hickey link. Pat Hickey was one of the members of the IOC executive who wholeheartedly recommended that Russian athletes shouldn't be blanket banned and that it should be up to the different associations. The Russian Boxing Association allowed their boxers in. They're winning some dubious fights, in particular uh, against uh, our boy Michael Conlon. Mm -hmm. The IBA now has said that referees and judges involved in some controversial decisions will no longer officiate at Rio 
2016, but results will stand. They say following recent judging decisions, after carrying out a thorough examination, AIBA has decided to take immediate and appropriate actions. Since the beginning of the Games, AIBA has conducted 239 bouts. The Commission has reviewed all decisions and determined that less than a handful of the decisions were not at the level of expected. And consequently, it's been decided in accordance with the rules, blah, 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 that those referees and judges won't be allowed to stay at Rio. Uh, the, the bouts will stand. And they go on to talk about having zero tolerance to tolerance. Tolerance policy. What is it here? Uh, AIBA represents two international federations and has continuously sought to evolve the sport of boxing, continuously strive to ensure a level playing field. AIBA will not shy away from its responsibilities and is fully committed to a zero tolerance policy towards fair play in boxing. What? It is fully committed to a zero tolerance policy towards fair play in boxing. I mean, I understand what they're saying there, but it sounds <laughs> that's not necessarily worded the ideal way. Always acting in the boxer's utmost interest. Uh, the CompuBox stats, other people were jumping on this today to show that, uh, look, Conlon did win the fight. The judges gave, there were way more punches thrown by him in rounds two and three, which is true. I was quite surprised to read the punch stats from round one, though. Uh, Nikitin threw, 26 po- threw 72 punches, landed 26. Conlon threw 114 punches, only landed 18, mm. which is amazing because the first round was the one that appeared to the naked eye that he completely dominated in a show of great boxing skill. And when you look at it, only landing 18 punches maybe does leave you a little bit more open to lose that round than you should ordinarily be. Now, he threw, he landed a good few more punches in the second round, which was an unbelievable display of brawling, I thought, mm. by Conlon. That was great. And round three, he also landed more punches. So just going by these stats, the narrative was that he dominated the first round and then had to change his approach once he'd lost that. Yeah, and Actually, then maybe you could make an argument in the third round that, you know, it was a 6-5 and pick him. Yeah, going by this, he... He was still robbed, but maybe just in, just a, in a different way to the way that we had all, way, all yeah. presumed. The Brazilian police have been busy, Ken. Ryan Lochte? Well, Ryan Lochte's what's happening with Ryan Lochte? One of the most decorated Olympians of all time. Which, but, so the story essentially went around that Ryan Lochte had, um, had been held up at gunpoint. Um, and there was an extraordinary quote from Ryan Lochte. Well, hang on, I think we might actually have the clip here of... Ryan speaking about this. Pulled out his gun, he cocked it, put it to my forehead, and he said, get down, and I was like, I put my hands up, I was like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, if you are familiar with Ryan Lochte. He does, this is how he, that's not atypical necessarily. Not necessarily, although most people, if they're told, get down whatever. by a guy who's putting a gun to their head, don't respond by putting their hands up. But, you know, it's just one of those things. Uh, I don't know what language this alleged exchange was was happening in. Anyway, um, what happens is that the police go and talk to them about this and then decide that they're not sure any of this really happened. And so what's happened now is that a Brazilian judge, Caleb Blank, uh, essentially has ordered Ryan Lochte and Jimmy Feigen, who was another one of the swimmers he was out with, there was a group of four of them, um, has ordered them to stay in Brazil to face further questioning about this, although Lochte's agent claims that he's already back in America or has already left Brazil to to go back to America Uh, because essentially um, uh, the time that they were supposedly out having a a night out at the France house, you know, all the countries have kind of their their own little centres where you can kind of go to hang out and apparently Lochte and his buddies were at Fran's house and then they went back to the Olympic Village which is probably a bit of a schlep away I'm not exactly sure where the, where the French Fran's house is but the Olympic Village is way out on the you know periphery mm-hmm. 
Um, essentially that there was discrepancies between the time they said they left there at and the time they arrived to the Olympic Village at. And also um, that when the police talked to them about it, basically their stories didn't really seem to make much sense. They were, uh, there's surveillance video of them arriving at the Olympic Village and they don't seem to, they don't look like guys who've just been robbed at gunpoint. They seem to be joking around. Although how, how would you be supposed to be? I'm not sure. Maybe a group of four guys who were released unharmed after being threatened at gunpoint might actually be quite euphoric. After I mean, Lockheed's rush of adrenaline after this uh, narrow brush with death. It was a bit strange that that uh, that Lochte's phone uh, was not uh, stolen. It just seemed why would you, why would they not steal the phone? Uh, we are talking about real. That phone is is worth it's worth more there than it is here. You know what I mean? They didn't take my phone or credentials. They just took the wallet. So anyway, the, the, and then apparently when when the police asked them questions about it, they were kind of the story wasn't quite something about the story didn't seem to make sense so now it's, it's almost as though the Brazilians are saying hang on a second you can't just make these yeah this isn't good for the image of our country whatever happened out there for you then to go yeah, an internationally famous uh, sportsman like Ryan Lochte to make an allegation like this is very bad PR for Brazil by no means would, would, would this uh, apparent armed robbery have been the worst thing to happen in Rio um, you know that day or that hour uh, there's a lot of bad stuff happens in that town, um, but it definitely was the thing that got most attention. And you can imagine if the Brazilians feel skeptical as to whether it actually really happened, then they, they you can imagine why they might be annoyed about that. There's a statement in from Mr. Shane Rossmer. If you want to go through it, this is uh, TD Minister for Sport, uh, amongst other briefs. Today I learned from our ambassador here in Brazil that a second Irish citizen has been arrested in connection with the Brazilian authorities' investigation into alleged ticket-touting. I understand that person has accepted consular assisted assistance and our consul general is engaging with him. You know, that's their job. Of course they would. Uh, given the seriousness of this matter, continues this statement from Shane Ross, and in the interest of taking swift and decisive action, I will be returning to Dublin as quickly as possible. I will immediately consult with my officials, with Minister of State Patrick O'Donovan, and with the Attorney General with a view to considering the options open to the government and decide the best course of action. So a very successful couple of days at Rio for, <laughs> for Shane Ross. Uh, he's had someone a great time. Make a, someone should make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> this couple of days. Ross in Rio. Yeah. Oh, Don't amazing. forget about him posing with Pat Hickey for uh, when Annalise had oh. yeah. 72 hours in Rio with Shane Ross. Land, land in, meet Pat Hickey. Uh, walk around be- bewildered for a couple of hours. Get photographed taken with Pat Hickey and Annalise Murphy. Uh, realise Patricky has been arrested Return to Dublin <laughs> that's, a, that's a plot summation right there Let's talk about some of the positive stuff happening in Rio Well positioned here Thomas Barr coming now Thomas Barr charging to the final hurdle Thomas Barr's on his way Thomas Barr is going to win this semi-final And Thomas Barr blasts his way Into the final of the 400 metre hurdles He ran his race He ran it superbly And that is a magnificent Irish performance And Thomas Barr is in the final Well done Thomas Barr What a performance in Rio I can't wait for the final now Like I said today I kept telling myself This is wide open And it's still wide open there you go there, uh, fairly ecstatic. Thomas Barr, after becoming the first Irish athlete to reach an Olympic sprint final, Murph, since... Uh, Come on, Paul, this this has been... Paul Hessian? No, Bob Tisdall has been oh, mentioned about sorry. a thousand times. I know sprint, there's been so much sorry, going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah, 1932, yeah. Well, no, Paul Hessian wasn't sprint, but he didn't make it to the final. He I finished saw, uh, yeah, ninth. So, yeah, okay, sorry. 
Sir, oh, listen. I hold my hands up. I made a mistake, okay? Murph, bar, the, the, first, the first Irish athlete actually. to reach an Olympic sprint final since who? Bob Tisdall. That's right, in the same event back in 1932. <laughs> I just want, like, I just like the fact that Bob Tisdall gets brought up. It just, it's, any t- um, yeah, any day Bob Tisdall It's gets amazing mentioned. there. Yeah, and no, it was really, really good. And he did a great interview, actually. We'll play a little bit of the interview after the race with uh, David Gillick. 48.39 seconds. That's the time, actually. That's your, that's your national record, new national record. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I cannot, really cannot believe it. I've, I'm, even when the, when the time came up, I didn't know where to look in the stand. I couldn't find anyone. I found, I think, Anton Burke and, and Laura being a couple of people up in the stand. My parents, I think, were around uh, the, top, the 200 mark again. But uh, I'm just absolutely thrilled, delighted, so excited. You were setting up your blocks and you seemed to be on the track for what seemed like an eternity. What, what was going through your head just before you got into those starting blocks? Going, uh, I don't even know. I was looking around for all the Irish flags at first and I uh, spotted a couple. And then I was just thinking... You know, like what I what I need to focus on. So like attacking the, at the first hurdle, you know, staying nice and relaxed down the back straight, getting into my stride, driving off hurdle five and six, staying focused on the top bend and then drive home. And that was just I kept relaying that in my head in the last two days. So your day recovery, Thursday's the final. That's a nice feeling. I I'm shaking. It sends it's really sending a shiver down my spine. It's it's amazing. Delighted. Yeah, I particularly like the fact that that Thomas Barr didn't know his time until David mm. Gillick told him what he had run he honestly looked at the end of the race like oh this is usually where I go and congratulate the winner of this race but wait a minute yeah. I'm the winner of no, this race was great, yeah. Yeah, it was and amazing he was so relaxed reaction. beforehand yeah. it's, it's kind of funny because the injury I mean there are he says himself he's improving a lot sort of day by day because his season has been interrupted by injury I sometimes think athletes get so wound up and so stressed out by injuries and by the idea that they have to get a certain block in and they have to get all these things in a certain time. An injury is not always the worst. I mean, it is if your Achilles is ripped apart mm. and you can't run. Uh, but, you know, maybe early in an Olympics year. Uh, what I'm saying is athletes out there, go injure yourselves and then... Early doors. Early doors. Don't injure yourself year. too close to the Mid, Middle year. Mid, mid-year injury, yeah. Mid, between the Olympics. 20, 2014 would have been the time to do it. Maybe early 2014. Yeah. Uh, so where are we going now? Oh yeah, let's let's get Simon involved here to talk about Annalise Murphy. Simon, this is uh, this is incredible. You managed to actually explain the sport for us the other day. If people were listening to the podcast, yeah, so. I wasn't in, but I, I I was listening and I was literally flabbergasted by uh, Fasc- fascinated or flabbergasted. Well, both, Simon, both. I mean, it was uh, it was an extraordinary uh, description. I mean, I was still none the wiser actually watching the event on television. But I mean, it's not a television <laughs> it's not really event. It's a television event, no. You know? I no, felt it like really I isn't. It. It's not a spectator sport and very little of it was shown. And she's a little unlucky. I mean, we've won 30-odd medals before this in the history of our Olympics. Uh, it's a silver medal. And yet with the Conlon loss, the controversy around it, this Pat Hickey stuff, uh, Thomas Barrett's it'll get swept away a lot quicker than almost any other medal we've won in recent times. But I think you need to look at her achievement over the course of the last two Olympics because as her brother Finn kept saying repeatedly on Twitter as he was updating people, sailing in the Olympics is about consistency. Other sports like football or rugby, sometimes just great moments are, are what's most important. We, we talk about Zlatan, he can score one goal. It doesn't matter what he does for the rest of the 90 minutes. In sailing, it's the bad days that define you. One really bad result puts you out of the whole thing. And over the course of the last two Olympics, she's come fourth and second. Almost no bad day Mm. over the course of those two Olympics. And if you bear in mind, I mean, one of the most amazing things I think about Olympic athletes that separates them from ordinary people, more than the athletic achievements, is their ability to deal with nerves. Annalise had four years to think about 
this fourth place that should have been a first or a second in London. Um, and then she has she, she performs repeatedly over the course of the first 10 races. And then the medal race comes up and you can imagine how much she's thinking about that and, and trying to atone for everything. And then it gets delayed for a day because yeah. of low wind and then the wind was too strong. So she used to deal with all that and then perform. And then she put in her best performance. I know she came fifth in the medal race, but it was her best performance because she beat all the other... And it wasn't her ideal... Yeah, she beat all the other people competing for medals, so she bumped herself up to silver. Exactly. And nearly had a chance of gold. Yeah, and and she had to, she had so many decisions to make. I mean, sailing, essentially, without going into the details, is about a million little decisions, depending on the tide, depending on which side of the of the beach you go, that's when you're going upwind, uh, who to cover, so you can, you can leave dirty wind to other people all those little millions of things you're making them all the time and then on top of that she had to decide well I'm in the bronze medal position do I just defend that do I just keep the girls in fourth behind me all the time which is something that's a choice you can make and just yeah. go bronze or do I aim for silver do I go for broke go for gold or do I just sail my own race and see what happens and she kept all of them behind her throughout the race uh, controlled things tactically controlled her own boat speed got a silver which is you know it could have been a goal but really when it came to the positioning in that medal race gold was always unlikely she kind of pitched it perfectly in terms of ambition versus risk yeah. she nailed it brilliant alright well congratulations to Annalise Murphy our second silver medal didn't the O'Donovan's get silver god that seems like two months ago now yeah that really does. Their <laughs> interviews, the whole thing. I mean, don't worry, I'm, I'm still back in the O'Donovan brothers. Yeah. I haven't forgotten about them, but I just have forgotten a lot of the details of their course it was silver. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely was. Uh, right, Murphy, you can check out the uh, time there for Bar's race tomorrow as I blabber on a little bit more. Yeah, do, cool. Do you, do you mind, do you I got your back. I think, I think it's, uh, it's, it's in the daytime. I think it's a midday Rio uh, start time, which is kind of a bit annoying, actually. Finals, I think sprint finals are much better when they're late at night, a little bit dark, all the rest of it. But I did just want to mention, Kim Bielenberg wrote a piece for the Sunday Indo, a profile of Pat Hickey again. At times, Hickey himself has not hidden his contempt for politicians if they crossed him. After a wrangle over sports funding in the 1990s, he, 1990s, he described the sports minister, Bernard Allen, as the Fuhrer. <laughs> Jim McDade, another sports minister... That wasn't a compliment at the time. No, Jim McDade, another sports minister, also had rows with him, described him as divisive, disruptive and confrontational. That was a, I think that was a McDade quote about Hickey. One of the rows centred on the minister's accreditation for the Sydney Olympics in 2000. McDade said either Hickey would have to change or he would be changed of course Hickey was never changed I mean Hickey has been there right up till now Hickey later said of McDade guys like him felt they could run the world I'm a big minister you do what I tell you it doesn't work like that my constituency is different his constituency is Olympics land as we were discussing on Monday sounds like Jim McDade got put back in his box Mm. Um, the Brazilian police have invaded Olympic land though they have unfortunately uh, a lot of people might have thought that the Brazilian police didn't have any jurisdiction in that particular constituency on, but uh, recent events have uh, have proved that wrong. Thomas Barr, four o'clock tomorrow, Irish time. You know what lane he's in? Lane number four. Sweet. Thomas Barr's got the entire field exactly where he wants them. Thanks. It'll be amazing. That's an amazing thing that Thomas Barr is in that uh, four hundred meters hurdles final tomorrow. It'll be brilliant. Don't yeah, forget the triathlon. Go on, Kent. We got Brian Keane in the triathlon as well. Yeah, what, what, when is this? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's 3 p.m. I'm just going to put that out there. Man, Ken. Olympic triathlon, 3 p.m. tomorrow. Uh, Brian Keane of uh, Cork. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish him all the best. Very good. Thanks, Murph. Thanks, Old. Thanks, Thanks Ken. Ken. We've got a couple Thank of podcasts you. coming out to, tomorrow. And uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen between now and the time we talk <laughs> Frankly, tomorrow. Frankly, who knows what we're going to be talking know. about Will tomorrow? the There's OCI still, still exist? I don't know. Anything, anything could really happen in the next 24 hours. But sure, we'll talk to you then. Take care.
Was that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home. Those 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 boys. <laughs>